high quality connections are so important when you've got teams that are that large. Um, if you can form relationships with people, I think it makes all the difference in the world. Welcome to Manufacturing Happy Hour, the podcast where we get real about the latest trends and technologies impacting modern manufacturers. Manufacturing Happy Hour. Each week, we interview industry experts that are at the top of their craft and give you the tools, tactics and strategies you need to take your career and your business to the next level. And now your host, Chris Lukey. Hey, welcome to episode 97. Today we're talking about steel toes and stilettos and everything in between. Our guests this week are Kathy Miller and Shannon Carls. Now, both of these women have racked up decades of experience in manufacturing and operations, and now they're the duo that leads Ops Sisters, where they focus on advising operations leaders through coaching, training, and speaking. Beyond that, though, they've also distilled some of their best lessons in their book, Steel Toes and Stilettos, and we're going to be learning quite a bit from both of them today. Now, first, we're going to get to hear their respective career stories, including how they met and how they decided to go into business together. They'll also share some advice for other side hustlers and aspiring entrepreneurs. In the second half of the interview, we'll discuss a major theme of their book and their work, which is leading with empathy in manufacturing. Shannon and Kathy will tell us about their mission, juggling careers in everyday life, and we'll discuss the concept of lean transformation. Now, I mentioned that they've written a book, so if you want to access that or any of the resources we mentioned in today's episode, of course, you can do that by going to the show notes page at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 97. And before we get started, I only have one announcement. If you want to be a part of a big community of manufacturing leaders and have conversations similar to the ones that we have on this show on a regular basis online, well, you should join the Manufacturing Happy Hour industry community. We have over 500 manufacturing leaders in this group. The group lives on LinkedIn. If you want to join the private group, first of all, I recommend you connect with me. Send me a message so I know why you're requesting to join because we do get a lot of requests for that group without a lot of context. But the easiest way to find that group on LinkedIn is to go to manufacturinghappyhour.com community to join our crew today. And with that, let's jump into the interview. It's time to meet up with Kathy and Shannon. Shannon, Kathy, it is great to have you here. It's a rare dual interview where I get to have two guests at once. And, and that means I might get two drink recommendations here at the start. So we were joking before we hit record as to, hey, are we supposed to have a beer for it? It's a little early for that today, but... Let's say we were having this conversation over happy hour. Shannon, what would we be drinking right now? It's tough to choose one thing, but I would say if it's Kathy and I together, we would start with a bottle of bubbles. All right. Kathy, would you second that or do you have a different direction you'd go with the beverage today? No, 100%. Always bubbles. Boo, Shandon, Prosecco, you know, anything bubbly is what we start. (laughs) All right. So let's say we're having this conversation over that bottle of Prosecco today and someone asks you, hey, describe Steel Toes and Stilettos, the book that you've written together. You know, how would you answer that if you're having a bottle of bubbles with someone? Kathy, maybe you can lead us off on this. Yeah, absolutely. So it is a business book, uh, but it's written more like a novel and it's a true story. It's a story of Shannon and my adventure transforming three different manufacturing plants from traditional batch manufacturing 
to lean enterprises. And it goes through all the steps and the roadmap of how we did it and really focuses on the soft side of bringing people along and having them be included to contribute, as well as a few insights to our personal friendship and story. Well, I'm excited to ask about that that personal side of your story first, and then we'll get into some of the, the leadership lessons. Shannon, anything you would add to, to that last answer? Yeah, and we do go through, as Kathy said, a lean transformation roadmap where we talk about the tools we used, but it's more focused on the why you use the tools and some of the tips and challenges and successes we have implementing them. So you'll get to see how difficult it is and some of the responses that the people give. There's a lot of eye rolling that happens in the beginning and a lot of what does she know type of responses that you have to work through. So we just talk about all those challenges that happen when you're going through those business transformations. Well, we're going to get into all of that today. I'm excited to get both of your perspectives on this. But first, I want to hear a little bit about your story. And this is probably the perfect way to start a conversation over a bottle of Prosecco, right? You know, (laughs) hearing your background. So and you both have had impressive careers in manufacturing. You both moved through the ranks at Parker Hannafin. Kathy, you went on to be a global manufacturing director at Rolls-Royce. Shannon, you were an operations leader at Pentair. So I have to ask, where did you two first connect? Mm -hmm. Shannon, do you want to start that one off for us? Sure. Um, So we connected when I was working in supply chain management and Kathy was the VP of Lean and Quality and Strategy Deployment for the corporation. So she was touring around to all these plants and it was our turn to do a lean review or a business review. So she and the group showed up and Kathy did not have her steel toes because she had to carry on her bag. And as you know, they take up a lot of space. So she left them out for this one trip. And as she came, she said, okay, I need, I need to borrow some, some steel toes or toe covers or whatever you've got. So they said, oh, sure, sure, sure. We'll show you. And they bring her to the cabinet and it's all full of all kinds of varieties of, of steel toe options that are all too big because they're all basically for men. So I happened to be walking by and offered Kathy my steel toes because I had an extra pair always at my desk. And so fortuitously, we ended up wearing the same size shoe. And that is how we first met. No doubt that is uh, part of the inspiration for uh, for the title of your book. Great background. Uh, another thing I have to ask, because you are co-founders of a business. Kathy, I'll direct this one at you to start. You know, what what made you realize that it made sense to go into business with one another? And then Shannon, I'd love to get your take on this after that. Yeah, well, both of us left our corporate jobs for diff- differing reasons, quite honestly. And we were just visiting, we became very close through the time that we worked together and our families were visiting. And we were really reflecting on that time that we were together and how successful that transformation was. And it just hit us, perhaps a bottle of bubbly was involved. I'm not, you know, really going to say for sure, but, um, you know, reflecting on why was that such a successful transformation? And, you know, what were some of the things that we learned? And we really just realized we had a great story from a number of different aspects. First of all, the transformation roadmap. And then second of all, the relationship that we had with each other and with the organization that really helped everybody flourish. And so the business came about because we decided to write a book together. And then once we started down that path, uh, we came up with other offerings that we could have. Um, I went back for coaching certifications. So I'm working with individuals and groups 
Shannon has an amazing amount of talent uh, implementing all of the lean systems, both from a technical and the softer side perspective. So together we have a nice offering of training classes and offerings to help people, um, teams and companies get results through flourishing in the things that we think are important. So it wasn't that we came up with this great business plan and then chose to leave our employers. It sort of happened the opposite way and a little bit more organically. Yeah. Shannon, what would, what would you share on this topic as well? I have a follow-up question to this in a moment. Yeah. As Kathy said, you know, we, it just was great timing to start. And then we developed this just phenomenal friendship that was a lot more like sisterhood as we spent more and more time together. And we just found that we really loved working together and we had so much fun. We find each other incredibly amusing and our opposite traits really make a powerful um, team. So that was what we started to see in each other was how different we were and how if we put those together, it, it just is is a great combination. And so that's how we started to brainstorm where we wanted to go next and what our next chapter would be. And doing it together is just an extra bonus. Yeah, Kathy, you highlight one of the things that stuck out was you said, hey, Shannon's really good at the implementation side of the business. And, and what I'm hearing, and maybe Shannon, if you want to go into this a bit more. So you were very well aware of each of the different strengths that you brought to the table. This wasn't something serendipitous that it turned out that you each had, let's say, differing skill sets, right? You knew very deliberately going into this that you were each going to bring something different that would help it thrive versus two co-founders with the same personality, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we learned that from me about each other as we were working together. I don't think we necessarily knew that when we first started our relationship. I know Kathy hired me for my skills and I was really excited to work for her because of what I had seen from her leadership style as well. So we, as we started working together, I started to learn like Kathy's got this really great ability to influence people and bring them along on the journey that she's painted this wonderful vision for everybody. And she gains their trust and builds these relationships with people that are so deep and heartfelt that I just knew I wanted to be a leader like that. And so then, you know, I'm much more of the um, implementation person. I my One of my strengths is around execution and taking a vision and being able to see all the details through. So when we started to change these plans, we started to see our own traits come out and we started to recognize them. And then when we started our own business, it was just natural. And maybe a follow-up question to this is you, if I remember hearing right, you started your business together during COVID. When did you know it was the right time to break from your full-time gigs? If you knew it was the right time to break from your full-time gigs. Kathy, can you start us off on this one? Yeah, sure. I had really wanted to always study psychology, quite honestly. I went to engineering school and got my MBA and worked really hard at all the companies that I was at, moving up the ranks, transforming businesses. But uh, I realized I wasn't getting any younger and it was on my bucket list. And so I wanted to go back to school. So that was the impetus for, um, you know, me really leaving. And, and then again, I had a little bit more full time to think and, really decided that was my calling, did go back to school and decided that some of the things that I learned from my experience and from my schooling would be really beneficial to lots of companies. 
and lots of individuals, not just one employer. And so that's what really led led me in that direction. And again, as Shannon said, there's aspects of our partnership that just make us better together than separate. And Shannon, what would you add to that as well? Yeah, I had a little bit different experience. Um, I was getting getting to the point where I was getting burnt out. Um, as we all know, manufacturing can be a bit of a grind. And especially when you're a operations leader and, and, and responsible for an entire business and all the people within it. Um, COVID came and at the time my son was in first grade and one of us had to stay home. My husband runs manufacturing plants as well. So I had the flexibility to be able to do that. And then throughout this process, Kathy and I started brainstorming about the book and all these things we wanted to do together. And it just was great timing. And it was time for me to move on. I knew it in my gut. I needed to be there for my family. And this gave me another way to still be in manufacturing without making and shipping parts. So I'm hearing a lot of great things from this, right? Part of it's timing. Kathy, you talk about wanting to go back to school. Shannon, you mentioned there being some, let's say, pending burnout, things along those lines. A lot of things that you're mentioning there. So I want to kind of flip this to advice for the manufacturing leaders that are out here listening to this. Particularly, I know there are people that work for companies that are thinking of starting their own companies. Many have side hustles while they're working. I, I may, Maybe not many, but I know there's a fraction of our audience out there, at least, that that has side hustles. So two-part question. You know, I'll ask the first one for both of you first. What advice do you, would you give to people that are looking to create a company with a co-founder? Shannon, maybe you can lead us off here and then Kathy, you can add, add your two cents after that on this topic. Yeah, I think um, as we mentioned with us, I think finding someone that's not exactly like you is important and finding someone who has fills in the gaps of maybe where you're not as strong um, is a really big first step in choosing someone. But the other piece I think is trust. I mean, Kathy and I have so much trust in, in each other um, that even if it's something that's maybe uh, we have to give each other feedback or we have to broach difficult conversations, it all comes up from a place of love and trust. So there's not a lot of conflict, really any conflict, I should say. So I think that's really important when you're choosing a business partner. Yeah, we're very comfortable challenging each other, though, and bolstering each other when the other one may be down or confused or frustrated about something, you know, reminding each other of each other's strengths. Now, I will say that anybody who is thinking about leaving a full-time paycheck um, <laughs> and starting their own side hustle, you know, the recommendations that I've heard are have a year of expenses in the bank, you know, because the timing is very different particularly if you're used to being measured every day as we manufacturing executives are, <laughs> you know, you know, every day if you won or lost. And when you're going um, into your own business, it requires a, a little bit different skill set or using your strengths and skills a different way than it had before. So, you know, at first, like for us, it's developing all of our intellectual property and the presentations and um, the coaching offerings and all those things that takes time and investment and then learning how to sell those things and realizing, you know, there's days I wake up and I say, Hey, I'm not a salesperson. Um, and it's particularly vulnerable when you're selling something that's so personal to you, right. That you've created, you're not representing, um, an invention that 
some genius did a hundred years ago that makes things fly, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're, you're coming with your own experiences, your own education to try and help people um, get the results that you got using these tools. Um, but then you realize that, hey, I sold a lot of things along the way, right? I sold capital appropriation <laughs> projects to the company to get, you know, money for research. So it's it's about finding your confidence in using the skills that you use to run large businesses in a very different way. And you need to take all of that into consideration before you make the leap. Yeah, the advice I've heard many times again is stick with your day job as long as you can until you can't necessarily balance it in anymore. Because, you know, maybe if you can help me recap a checklist here. So from a pragmatic standpoint, uh, a year of, let's say, quote unquote, salary in the bank that you can live off of. And then you mention it sounds like dialing in your service offerings and dialing in being able to sell that as well. Is there anything else I'm missing there, Kathy, that you want to make sure we explicitly say, hey, if you're thinking about making this leap, have this in order? No, I think you captured what I think the big items are. I, I guess the only other thing that I would say is check your resources out before you make the leap as well. There are so many resources I'm just coming to now understand out there through your chambers of commerce, the you know small business administration and things that you may not have been familiar with when you're in a manufacturing role for a large company. So um, before you make that leap, particularly if your mortgage payment is going to be dependent on it, you know, know what your resources are going in. Well, it's been super helpful hearing the story here, getting the pragmatic advice. We're going to shift gears a little bit to talk more about, hey, a lot of the lessons with inside of Steel, uh, Steel Toes and Stilettos and the work that you do with Ops Sisters. So maybe the, the first question is we, we were talking about, hey, there are some like the hard skills, like, hey, the lean transformation roadmap, that side of things, as well as the soft skills. So maybe we'll start on, let's say, the lean transformation roadmap. And Shannon, I'll, I'll direct this to you. I think for our audience out there, what is a lean transformation roadmap? And then why is it so important would be kind of, I think, the way I'd, I might frame this up. Well, you know, lean manufacturing has been around for decades. Um, Toyota started it and it's all about getting the best quality products to your customers in the fastest manner with the least amount of waste. So with all those words, it sounds like, okay, just make parts faster and get them through your plant faster. But what we focus on more is around um, material and information flow, but everything is in the roadmap is very specific as far as the steps you take in the order you take them. It's not always linear, but it does have some, some common sense as to how you approach them. And because you the tools get more technical and more difficult as you progress through the lean transformation, you need to have some foundation to start. So, you know, we start with things like 5S and getting discipline into the business and accountability into the business and being able to see ahead or behind. Um, because a lot of the plants, when you walk through them, you can't see that. And so as Kathy mentioned, you can't see if you win or lose every day. So you've got to get data in place. You've got to get measurements in place. And then you start to understand your current reality. So what's really happening out there? Because nine times out of 10, you cannot take people's words for it. You have to see for yourself in order to be present and in the business. So you walk through all of these different steps in the roadmap, progressing through 
you know, standard work and value stream mapping and understanding machine capacity and operator capacity, and then how you're going to flow material and information from person to person, place to place. And all of that pieces together into this full transformation. And it's not just in manufacturing, it's in the enterprise, in the office as well, because so much waste is in the office. And we talk a lot about that in the book, especially when you look at things like customer service and pricing and engineering. And we took, you know, 50, 40, 50% um, lead time out of the value streams, which means you're getting product to the customers that much faster, even on the front end. So that's really what the roadmap walks through when you look at technical skills and technical tools. When it comes to, you know, beyond the technical as well, the human side, the leadership side, let, let's go there next, because I always feel like that's the more challenging part for almost any company, whether we're talking about lean transformation, digital transformation, any transformation. And and, and feel free to reference any of the times that you've been going through this in, in your own journey as well. You know, maybe Kathy, I'll I'll ask you this. What what are the essential, let's say, soft skills that that you found, or maybe the one that sticks out most that you need when going through one of these transformations? Yeah, you really need to involve the people who are doing the work. That's that's the bottom line. Uh, you know, when you're a leader of an organization and you're responsible for PL, you've had a lot of experiences usually by that time working different places and seeing different things and knowing what your platform is. So you have to be able to articulate a vision to an entire workforce that may have no idea of what you're talking about in terms of how you're going to do business. And you just have to have patience and persistence with that vision because most people come to work every day wanting to do a great job, but sometimes they just can't understand this vision that you're trying to articulate that you're going to do things so differently. And people think doing things in half the time means they're going to have to work twice as hard and nothing could be further than the truth. So it's really important to give people an opportunity to contribute and also to invest in their skills, right? So you have to give them time to help you solve problems and you have to give them skills to solve problems. You have to listen. You have to go where work is done to see the things that they're struggling with, the things that are going well, the things that are not going so well, and really give confidence to them that you care about their contributions, that you're going to implement their contributions if you can, and if you can't, giving them feedback why, so that they know they're an important part of the transformation. And it's more than lip service. It's really voting with your calendar as a leader and as a leadership team um, and devoting a lot of precious time to being with people where they do the work. It's it's interesting. It, th those echo some of the comments. I think you both know her. Ashley Walters was on this show maybe mm -hmm. 10 or 20 episodes ago. She had shared some of that within the way she leads her business at, at Onyx. And I guess, Kathy, a question I'd have for you is great examples right there. Do you have like a specific way that one thing that stuck out is, hey, you got to communicate that vision. Can you share how you communicated that vision when you were in your manufacturing roles? Oh, absolutely. I always start with letting people know who I was as a leader and what I valued and, and what I expected from the team. I'm not big on silos. I'm not big on crossfighting. I'm big on the mission of, of the business and always trying to find a way to um, take the business and make it meaningful 
for the workforce. So for instance, um, you know, when we were leading the rubber factory, right, you get tens of thousands of parts off every day, various colors, various shapes, not super meaningful to the organization, right? So um, letting them know all the things they were doing to feed the world, um, to help fight terror with the things we were selling to the military, you know, and really provide meaning, but really putting um, it out there who I was as a leader and how we were going to behave. And then having to follow up on it um, by leading by example and addressing when people could not get on board with that way of doing business. So um, that was really important. So stating the vision up front, being very true to the vision, having very regular communication meetings. Um, I would go to daily meetings. I would go to weekly meetings. I would provide monthly updates on how we were doing against the vision, but it was all very consistent communication and very frequent, maybe more frequent than people are used to, which gave the organization a chance to get to know me and to realize that I wasn't just going to shift with the wind all the time on what we were ultimately trying to do. And then um, putting everybody in teams, right? So you have the overall vision, but giving everybody an opportunity to contribute by working on teams to how they could uniquely with their team, with their skills, uh, with their functions, contribute to that overall vision. It just all became self-reinforcing. I was, uh, I think just in my day job, right before this interview, I was talking about the importance of over-communication, right? Rare, rarely in my career have I seen over-communication or frequent clear communication is probably the nicer way to describe it as being, you know, a, a bad strategy. It always seems to work. So I love, I love that piece of advice there. Shannon, I'm, I'm going to flip it back to you with a comment that I heard earlier in the interview. You talked about how manufacturing can be a grind sometime. And I think this fits into our theme. It's like, you know, how, how do we make manufacturing less of a grind? I'd love to get your take on that as, as we re revisit that comment from earlier. Yeah. I mean, the tough part about manufacturing is you're looking at, I mean, if you think about all the inputs that go into making a product that you're just kind of having to deal with any, every day, you're looking at, you know, engineering design, um, a material availability, which right now is a huge issue. Um, people issues, whether you're working in a union or, or non-union plant, no matter where you go, you have, you have personnel situations that you have to deal with and you're dealing with customers and then you're dealing with your daily, weekly, monthly expectations from the corporation. So you're battling all these things from coming at you from every angle. I think the biggest piece for me to make it less of a grind. And when it has been less of a grind is when you have the opportunity to build the team that you want. So let's just say you are running your own manufacturing business. When I was given the autonomy to build a team I wanted um, with the best skills that I could find and the people that brought diversity of thought to that team was when I, it was not a grind. It was when it was fun and we were all working toward a common mission. It was never a grind with my team. That's how I always felt. It was a grind from all the external factors. And so I think that if we can have that compassionate leadership that goes above us all the way to the top and businesses that truly practice what they preach when it comes to culture and values, I, in my opinion, that's a very large gap that's happening. And so you can lose your sense of purpose in that position. Um, you're, you're protecting your team from it 
but you're just kind of lonely up there at the top because you're not feeling valued um, and that the company is following those values. And so I think that that would be huge for companies to start to understand that people are people. People have lives, they're humans, and that if we can throw some empathy a little bit towards towards that, I think that would go a really long way. I'm, I'm glad you used that word empathy because that's actually a perfect segue in, into our next question. And I think a lot of our discussion over the past few questions have hinted at this. Figuratively, we're, we're kind of at the bottom third of our bottle of Prosecco, right? We're topping <laughs> off our glasses here for, for the final round. So I, I want to ask a very direct question on how do you lead with empathy in manufacturing? Or maybe what's your number one piece of advice for leading with empathy in manufacturing? Shannon, you were just talking about that a little bit. So maybe Kathy, if you want to lead us off here. Yeah. So particularly as you move up the organization, you have less and less time, the more people, the more operations, the more locations you're in charge of. So for me, leading with empathy was really developing high quality connections with people and they couldn't always be uh, long involved relationships, right? Because you're leading an organization of 9,000 people. You can't even know everybody's names. But what you can do when you're walking through your operations, whether you're in the office or on the plant floor, is you can have high quality connections, which involve looking someone in the eye and exchanging something positive with them, Right and doing some active listening. And in that, no matter how brief a moment, right, you've made a connection with someone that helps build energy and lets them know that they've been seen as a human being, not just a person loading parts in a press. And so I relied on that all the time, all the time, you know, of uh, getting energy from people by seeing them you know, seeing them, what are they struggling with? What are they doing to contribute the business? And just letting them know um, that I acknowledged it and acknowledge them as a human being. Human connection, looking them in the eye. Shannon, what would you, what would be your number one piece of advice here? I think it's getting to know people as people and not their jobs. And if you have the ability to do that, and even if you can't, like Kathy said, these high quality connections are so important when you've got teams that are that large. Um, if you can form relationships with people, I think it makes all the difference in the world. I, you know, people, I, I think I wrote a blog about, I was told once that it's not personal, it's business. And I, I just so wholeheartedly disagreed with that. I think people are at the heart of everything that we do. And so I think that building those relationships and not only allowing them to see you as a person and you seeing them as a, as a person, it's building teams that do that for each other. I've just got a couple questions as, as we wrap the interview. Most of them tie together. This one I'm, I'm just going to throw in there because it was something that was really powerful, Kathy, that you mentioned when we were first chatting with one another that I feel could just be really good advice for the audience out there. You mentioned something in an earlier conversation that you can't have it all at the same time. And I think there could, you know, I'd love to distill that message for our audience and, and what you mean by that. Cause I think when we talk about Shannon, you talked about, Hey, it can be a grind, you know, there, I know there are other manufacturing leaders out there that might be facing burnout. So I feel like this can contextualize some of those challenges people might be having or offer a solution to those challenges. Yeah. It, it's all about balance, right? And 
work-life balance and being able to be present where you are. And unfortunately, we, we just have one body, right? You can't always be at the soccer game if you have to be in another country um, reporting to the board of directors, right? Or you can't be presenting to all the presidents of an organization when you're in a hospital room with your daughter, you know, having a serious surgery. So I think, I think the point is, is that um, you're going to have to make balance and trade-offs throughout your lives. And I know this pertains a lot to working mothers, but it also pertains to working fathers. Fathers want to be just as involved, you know, with their children and their extended families and their friends outside of work as women do. So I think it's just important to um, know that there will be trade-offs and you just have to do the best you can to make the best ones you can with the information that you have. And uh, when you're somewhere, be present there, be thankful for where you are, and don't spend a lot of energy on where you can't be because of the trade-offs you have to make. And that is a very hard, hard thing to do. Yes, absolutely. I'm glad you directly answered that, brought it to the table, because I know a lot of us are juggling a lot of different things in life. So I appreciate having this piece of information here in, in our conversation today. A, a wrap-up question that I ask all my guests, and, and I want you to each give a different answer to this. And, and Shannon, I'll tee this one up to you first. What's something you wish I would have asked you? We've only covered a, a fraction of what we could have talked about today. So if there's something that we didn't get to in today's conversation, what do you wish it, it would have been? Um, oh my gosh, you're putting me on the spot, Chris. Kathy, this is your opportunity just to jump in to be like, I got it. I got it. <laughs> this is what partners are all about. <laughs> I wanted to see how this question would go with two people. Cause yeah, Kathy, you certainly have the advantage being able to think on this one a bit longer. Yeah. I think, you know, I think what's important is as you go through life, be your authentic self, right? You're going to have lots of opportunities to interact at work, in your family, uh, where you go to different places and your activities and trying to be someone you're not is very exhausting. So know your strengths, use your strengths to help others and bask in your authentic self. And if it's not a match with where you are, move on and don't look back. Bask in your authentic self. Love the way you describe that. And Shannon, I can, I can see you've got an answer at this point. So back to you. <laughs> uh, it, you know, it's, I think the biggest thing for me talking about all of these great things that we're talking about is that it's definitely a journey. So I want to remind everybody that even though we're we're talking through all these things and, and the things that we did and the type of leaders that we want to be, um, I know me personally, I was not always in that space. I was not always my best self, my best leader, my authentic self. Um, and these are just things that we've learned. And I think I've had to learn the hard way. And I hope that we can be some role models for younger generations to say, hey, these are the things that we learned. I wish I would have learned them earlier. And we hope that you can make some adjustments if you're not being your best self or the leader that you want to be. Um, I wish I would have 
learned them much earlier in my career. <laughs> and I think we all look back at our careers and there the, are things we all wish we could have done earlier or, you know, I'm, I'm not going to call them regrets, right? But things we would have tweaked a little bit. But let's flip this to a positive question to end things on. What are, what are you each most proud of in your careers? You've led great manufacturing companies. You've started your own business. You've written a book. I mean, you've accomplished a lot. What... What sticks out? Um, let's see. Um, Kathy, I'll, I'll direct this one to you first this time. Yeah, when I reflect on my career, I think the things I'm most proud of are the things that are not on my resume. And it's just uh, watching people grow and develop as having been part of, the, of my organization, right? Giving people opportunities to do things that they might not have otherwise had the opportunity to do or seeing strengths in people and communicating that. Um, strengths that they didn't even know that they had. And so I have just seen so many people blossom um, in all different roles throughout my career. And that's what I'm most proud of. That's what gives me the most energy is that I may have had a positive impact on somebody's life. Shannon, how about yourself? Yeah, it's the same for me. It's all about the people and the relationships that I've built. Um, still being friends with people that we've met along the way. And and just that exactly what Kathy said thinking that you may have been able to make somebody's day work experience life just a little bit better from what you brought to the table is what I'm most proud of. Really appreciate having both of you on the show today. Where can people find you after the interview? Where's a good place to connect with you? Shannon? Yeah, the best place to connect with us is at our website, um, which is opsisters.com, O-P-S-I-S-T-E-R-S. And I will have links to those in the show notes page at manufacturinghappyhour.com. In the meantime, Kathy, Shannon, thanks so much for jumping on Manufacturing Happy Hour. Hey, thanks for listening. And a big thanks to Shannon and Kathy for jumping on today's show. If you want to access any of the resources from this episode, go to the show notes page at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 97. That's where you can connect with Kathy and Shannon and also find a link to their book, Steel Toes and Stilettos. Finally, if you want to join a group of manufacturing leaders and take part in conversations similar to this on a regular basis, well, you should be in the Manufacturing Happy Hour industry community. That group is over 500 strong, and that lives on LinkedIn. There's a private LinkedIn group, and this link, manufacturinghappyhour.com community, will take you straight there. When you request to join, make sure to shoot me a message on LinkedIn as well so I know who you are, so there's context for that request, and I will happily let you in the crew. Again, that's manufacturinghappyhour.com slash community. And with that, that's it for this week. Stay innovative, stay thirsty. We'll catch you again next time. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing Happy Hour. Powered by the Industrial Network.